Good morning. If you could uh, take an imaginary trip with me. We're going to go back in time to before the Civil War in the United States. And imagine that you're a black person before the Civil War. Uh, think about what your life would be like. Uh, whether things were bad uh, as a, a slave back then, and uh, they would have been even been bad if you were a black person and you were a free person. Here are some things that you'd have to deal with if you were in that situation. Uh, you're always socially excluded. If you ran away if, as a slave, you could be branded like cattle. All black people were barred from any kind of trade. Uh, there was no, it was illegal for a black person to marry a white person. And if a white woman married a black man, she could be banished from her community. And these are all legal, these are all legal things that were allowed. All blacks were prohibited from holding any public office whatsoever. All interracial marriages were banned. It was a crime for blacks to carry a weapon of any kind. It was also a criminal offense for a, a black person to raise uh, or own any farm animals. Uh, this would be particularly a slave. The law allowed the sale or execution of a black person trying to flee. The law forbade blacks from entering any kind of military service or voting, and they were forbidden from carrying U.S. mail. Conspiracy among slaves was a capital offense. No person could testify against, a, no black person could testify against a white person. It was forbidden for a black to learn to read, write, or go to school. And if a teacher was found doing that, they would be fined, whipped, or in prison. That was for the teacher. It was illegal for a black person to preach. There was a mandatory curfew for all black people. It was illegal for blacks and whites to play together. Laws provided for the death penalty for advising slaves to rebel. And it was illegal for a black person to even take a boat uh, on the Potomac River. And it was a felony for a black person to ask for or receive abolition newspapers. And even the Supreme Court in 1857 specifically said that blacks were not human. 
Not to mention the fact that you, your spouse, and or your children could be sold at any time and sent to who knows where, any other place. This was all legal before the Civil War. Then in 1863, during the height of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, as President of the United States, made this statement, and I cut it down a little bit. I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, by virtue of the power in, in me vested as Commander-in-Chief, that on the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1,863, all person held as slaves within within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall be in rebellion against the United States shall be then, thenceforth, and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any effort they may make for their actual freedom. And upon this act, sincerely believed to be an act of justice, warranted by the Constitution, upon military necessity, I invoke the considerate judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of Almighty God. This was the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Immediately on that day, all slaves were freed. All slaves were legal citizens of the United States. Of course, we had a lot of baggage to deal with, and it was still the height of the Civil War. But this, on this day, everything changed, theoretically. So when Christ came, he issued an Emancipation Proclamation too. And the reason I am bringing up this subject is I think there's a lot of confusion on a Christ, uh, on our relationship as Christians to the Old Testament. And so the reason I went through all this is because when Christ came, things immediately changed. And it took a while for humans to, human beings to kind of catch up, okay? But on that day, when Christ came, the law didn't apply anymore. And there are many, many scriptures that I'd like to go through. And the point is, when we look at the Old Testament, we should look at the Old Testament through a New Testament perspective or put on your New Testament glasses when you look at the Old Testament. 
And the Old Testament is to be used when we read that as a Christian. It's excellent to show us where Christ came from and the whole entire Old Testament points to Jesus and the coming Messiah. And then Jesus would refer back to the Old Testament too. But as Christians, as Christ followers, it's not our duty anymore to follow the rules uh, and laws in the Old Testament. We have, it's been, there's been an emancipation proclamation for us. Just as the slaves were freed in one day, when Christ came, we are also freed. So Matthew 5, 17, here's some scripture. Think not that I come to de destroy the law or the prophets. This is Jesus talking. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. But Christ fulfilled the Old Testament one time. It's not a repeated thing where he has to continually fulfill it. He fulfilled uh, the whole Old Testament when he died on the cross. So it's not our job to fulfill the Old Testament. He was the perfect sacrifice for the law that the law demanded. For sin shall not have dominion over, ye, over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace, Romans 6.14. This is our position now. Our position is grace, and our, our duty is faith. In Luke 4, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit, of, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Christ, when he came, he set us free. And we are to be thankful for that. So throughout the Old Testament, it shows Christ. It points to Christ. And we can go back. We have the blessing of going back to the Old Testament and seeing where the scriptures point to him. We all know this verse. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is not to mean that we just chuck out the Old Testament, but it means that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. But how do we as Christians deal with the Old Testament, especially when it's full of these kind of rules, do this, don't do that, here's the punishment if you do this, um, not to mention sacrifices and feasts and things like this, that we as Christians don't deal with. But the point of this message is to show that that's not our job. Our job is faith 
and it's God's grace, and because of Jesus Christ, set us free. I'm going to continue. And even Jesus, in Luke, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So even Jesus went back through the Old Testament and showed how they applied to him. The Old Testament is a roadmap that pointed, or was a roadmap, is a roadmap that points to Christ. In 1 Timothy 1, the law was made for the lawless. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners. So the law had a job in the past. The law had a job of showing that people were unable to fulfill the law and that only Christ could do that. We are dead to sin and dead to the law. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin. We're dead to law and to sin because we've been raised with Christ and alive unto God through Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in the New Testament, we have a new covenant. The old one is obsolete. In Hebrews, if the first covenant was faultless, there was no need of a second. God will put his laws in our minds and on our hearts. So we have the New Testament. God, as Christians, put his law into our hearts and on our minds. Then he said, Lo, I come unto you to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And then as an example, we have the the transfiguration. As you remember, Moses and Elijah uh, appeared and conversed with Christ from Luke. But it's folly to put Christ on par with Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who represents the prophets. We should hear Jesus alone, just like his father said. Hear he him. Not to be burdened with the law, because Jesus has fulfilled all the law and the prophets. Think about like the dietary restrictions in the Old Testament. That was taken away when uh, the sheet was lowered down and um, said to, God said to Peter, you know, kill and eat. But the reason it came down three times 
was because God wanted to make sure that he knew that what God has cleansed, or God has cleansed those foods so that we are able to eat them. And it's a, it's a falsehood to think that by following the Old Testament laws, uh, it will make us more spiritual. It doesn't help us to be more spiritual to follow things that are in the Old Testament. Walk in Christ, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Beware of philosophy and vain deceit, tradition of men and the rudiments of the world. We are complete in Christ. We are fulfilled in him and we are alive together with him. Uh, Old Testament has a false basis of spiritual blessing. And if you'd like to turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, I'll read a little bit. Galatians 3, start with verse 2. Galatians 3.2, this only would I learn of you, received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it, if it be yet in vain. He therefore that ministered to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture for, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith Preach the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the books of the law to do them but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So right here it talks about if you try to follow the law and you don't do the whole thing, you're already condemned. And the things that Abraham did, and because Abraham was justified, it was actually 430 years before the law came. And so he wasn't even under the law, but yet he was justified by faith. And it's faith in Christ that is uh, what justifies us, which I'm very thankful for. <clears throat> So Christ, in Galatians 4, 
Christ came to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are of and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, than an heir of God through Christ. So now we are sons and daughters of the king. Instead of being a slave, we're subject to all these kind of laws and restrictions and put down and suppressed. God has freed us through faith in Christ, and he has allowed us to be sons and daughters of the king. And as Gentiles, we were never even, they were never even under the law in the Old Testament. But yet, now God has opened up the door for Gentiles to come in because of Jesus Christ. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. This is our position also. This is our job. In Hebrews, it talks about how the law, we call it an, an annulling. The law is no longer valid because of its weakness. So we can look at the Old Testament also to see the mind of God. And this is another uh, benefit of having the Old Testament. Even though we don't have to follow the law, we can look through the Old Testament and see what is God's mind on such and such an issue. But the things that are we, we're dealing with now, uh, there are also threads in the Old Testament too. But in the New Testament, God has raised the moral standard. God has made it even harder, if you will, to follow his, his uh, desires in the New Testament. And actually, it, it's impossible to be totally um, perfect even in the, following the New Testament, but Christ did. And Christ gives us an example, and Christ gives us a shining light of how it is possible to follow the higher standard. So some of the things that are, um, like in the Old Testament, it was do this and don't do that, and here's the punishment. The New Testament is application of new life principles. The commands are far above the Old Testament law, and you can think of it as a total paradigm shift. For example, in the Old Testament, there was circumcision of the flesh, but now it's circumcision of the heart. In the Old Testament, there was the Sabbath, but now every day is the Lord's day. It should be for us. The Sabbath was a picture of, of rest but it was rest in Jesus that we have now, which I'm very thankful for. In the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But in the New Testament, it's love your enemies, 
turn the other cheek. Give to them, your enemy, your cloak. Now, uh, now in the New Testament, if you just look on a woman to lust after her, you commit adultery in your heart. It's not about the act. It's a heart issue. In the Old Testament, we had to go to Jerusalem to worship. But in the New Testament, we can worship God anywhere. There's two or three Christians gathered together. In the Old Testament, we had the Levitical priesthood. In the New Testament, Christ is our great high priest who makes intercession for us. In the Old Testament, we had pork, for example, dietary restrictions. Contrast that with all creatures are good if eaten with thanksgiving now. In the Old Testament, we had tithing, give 10%. In the New Testament, we have stewardship and giving compared to just tithing. It's our job to invest in Christ's kingdom here on earth, especially when we're talking about money. In the Old Testament, they walked after the flesh, but in the New Testament, we walk after the spirit. The Emancipation Proclamation for the black people and the slaves specifically was uh, a major step of uh, actually authority, his authority as president. Uh, and then Christ, that was an example, but Christ for us set us free too of the law of sin and death. And he has given us a chance to be a child of the king and a chance to join him in resurrection of life. And uh, I'm just so thankful um, that we don't have to follow all the rules and laws that are in the Old Testament. But like I said before, we have a higher standard now. God is looking at the heart. God is looking at our actions how do we deal with our fellow man, men and women, our neighbors? And uh, it's our job to show them Christ when we interact with them. Uh, just like to close with a prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you in Jesus' name. We are just so thankful, Lord, that you have given us uh, freedom that you've given us life and you've given us uh, hope and we look forward to the resurrection of the saints, Lord. Lord, we uh, thank you for your whole word. Lord, show us how to use your whole complete word uh, in our lives and um, help us to have understanding and help us to have a sharp mind to uh, keep these things in a forefront of our of our thinking as we go about our lives and uh, lord we love you we thank you and we praise you we give you all glory we love you in jesus name we pray
Amen.